Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So welcome to Friday's episode of the podcast. Uh, Really, really, really brilliant Q&A heading in your direction today. Uh, We are going to be chatting to an amazing, incredible human who we've had on the podcast before, actually. She was on uh, one of our Tuesday episodes and we just had to get her back in to answer your questions today. Founder of Parenting Mental Health. She is an author of an incredible book, uh, Never Let Go, How to Parent Your Child Through Mental Illness. So let's say hello to Suzanne Alderson. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We're so glad to have you back. We needed to have this follow up. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It's lovely to see you both. Yeah, we had such an amazing response to your podcast that you did with us um, a while back. So many direct messages, so many people reaching out saying how moved they were by your experience. So we're absolutely thrilled to be doing today's Q&A with you. Um, Georgia always likes to start the podcast off by asking our guests how they are and if their morning has been as manic as ours. And it normally it normally is. Have you had a calm one? I have actually had a calm, has it been crazy no 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 I've actually no. had a calm morning because oh, what? yesterday <laughs> yesterday I did an eight hour round trip up to a parent support group in uh, Durham so this morning I've done oh, wow. I, I actually did emails in bed with tea thanks to my lovely husband and uh, yeah so oh. that was great so that was a brilliant way to start the day how lovely yeah. well, we need that a husband really like that George does. yeah I want to spend the day in bed doing my emails <laughs> with a husband bringing me tea I have to make my own at the moment how rude for those people that hadn't listened to the to your podcast um that you did with us can you just explain a little bit about your kind of you know experience with children's mental health absolutely yeah so my uh, daughter who's now 21 uh, was bullied when she was 14 and it had a huge impact on her mental health and before long, she was um, unable to leave the house. She wasn't sleeping or eating. And she was eventually diagnosed with chronic depressive disorder, um, generalized anxiety disorder. She had disordered eating. She self-harmed. She attempted suicide. And what I found at the time was that, um, I mean, it's a bit different now because we're talking a lot more about mental health. But actually then, we weren't talking about mental health in young people and children. And we certainly weren't talking about the kinds of extremes that we'd seen. And so I decided that um, if we made it through, sitting on suicide watch on her floor one night at 3 a.m., thinking that I was the only person awake in the world, that I would make it my mission to ensure that no other parent felt like I did. So I started a, a Facebook community originally in 2016. In 2020, we got our charity status and parenting mental health now supports about 40,000 parents who have got a child or a young person with, um, a, with poor mental health. So yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Oh, that's wow. incredible. Yeah. yeah, if anyone listening hasn't heard that conversation, do go back and take a listen. It really moved both Zoe and I, and mm-hmm. you know, we've stayed in touch with Suzanne since, and that's why we wanted to do this Q and A, I guess, to open it up even further. And actually, from the questions that we've been sent in, we're talking about 
you know, children who are a lot younger. Um, And so that's why we think it's so important to have these chats. So, you know, and we are, you know, there's lots of us going through it. So should we get into the questions? Let's let's kick it off. Do you want to read the first one, George? Yeah, this is actually quite a long one. Someone said, our daughter is seven years old. We are really struggling with lying. We've always spoken about honesty and telling the truth and have always supported her. She's been upset over friends in school for the last two years. So I've been in for meetings to try and support her. Today I found out she's told her teacher she's scared of me because I always yell I have my moments but don't we all I'm heartbroken to think she's scared of me as I thought we had a really strong relationship but it seems like she's playing me and the school off against each other when I spoke to her about it she told me she'd been a terrible daughter and someone should kill her I obviously reassured her that's not going to happen, but we need to take responsibility for the decisions we make. How do I deal with this level of mental health in such a little human? It's breaking me. Oh, I bet it oh, is. God. That's just, that is heartbreaking actually to hear that. And uh, just sending a huge hug out to um, the parent there. So I think there's a whole load of different parts of that. And I think for yeah. all of the questions that we'll answer today, it's important for us to recognize our role in this, not in a judgy kind of, didn't we do everything wrong kind of way but just in a way that we're imperfect humans as well. And so some of the responses that we'll have might not actually be that helpful for our little growing human who is looking to us for that emotional safety. So emotional safety is that sense that we are safe, we can do whatever we need to do, and the responses will be commensurate really with what we're doing. So we can tell how we're feeling and we won't be shut down. We will be listened to, we will be heard, we will be supported. So I think that's yep. the first thing. I think the other point about lying is for a lot of children, it becomes an immediate response. It's actually effectively a people-pleasing response, which mm. is I'm not going to think about what's going on in the moment. I'm going to just say what I think you want me to hear, want, want to hear, or I'm going to say what I believe is going to reinforce the case for how I'm actually feeling. So what I'd be saying here is, um, and, and we need to consider actually the difference between emotions and feelings. So emotions are things that we feel in our body. They tend not to have kind of words around and they are sensations. But Mm -hmm. feelings are the thoughts that we add to those emotions. So if we think about how that that, um, young child is feeling, uh, probably very unsafe, maybe unheard, and no blame here, no shame at all, just being really open. And actually, maybe it's about um, asking her how she feels and where she feels and being open to listening to that because even though that's really hard because as parents we're fixers innately and from my experience I knew that we couldn't fix this um equally when we're looking at things that are they tend to be things that society says are wrong so lying is seen as wrong because actually what we do is we go okay if you're telling me a lie now what does that mean by the time you're 18 you're going to be you know doing x y and z and we've extrapolated everything out but if we can look at this behavior in the moment as a um, a form of communication. What is that lying saying? It's saying that I'm, I, I might not feel safe to actually share what I'm really feeling. So I would be saying at the moment, I would just pause and I would be really curious about what this behavior might be showing. And that mm. can be really easy for me to sit on a podcast and say, how do you do that practically? I would have some time before bed just to allow your child to listen, to, oh, to sorry, to speak so that you can listen. And, and not make any judgment on it, not shut stuff down, explore it. How are you feeling like that? And also, um, where are the facts around that? And not in an aggressive way, just in a, so, you know, tell me, tell me a f- couple of facts. Tell me one fact that backs up how you're feeling around that. So we need mm. to be able to encourage our child to share with us, to, to know that they can be heard, to know that what they say is not going to be diminished or ridiculed. And I am, I was the queen of 
diminishing and ridiculing because I was scared of what this meant. Um, but really, if we're going to encourage our children to be open with us, we need to be able to be present, we need to be able to be consistent, and we need to be able to really actively listen. So it's mm, great advice, Suzanne. I would also it's say, great. sorry, finally, just to say, I would communicate with school, you know, and I think the communication with school needs to be really open, whatever's going on. But equally, as parents, we can feel really judged because depending on mm. who you're dealing with, there's this whole sense that my child's a problem. Your child isn't a problem. Your child's experiencing things that are really natural. So communicate well with the school, but don't go in. Oh, I remember going in thinking, you know, I felt like I was back at school myself. Go in with a, with, you know, be the adult, uh, go in, communicate with them. And um, if you feel judged, then, you know, maybe reach out to a community like Parents Mental Health, like other pa- great parenting communities online. And, um, you know, I'm sure you will not be alone. Really great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Okay, this is from Anna. My daughter is eight and is saying that she's too skinny. People feel free to tell me she's skinny, tiny in front of her as well. Wow. Help. This is, yeah, I see this all the time. How dare people? Sorry, that's rude and uncompassionate of me. But seriously, how dare people? You know, we, we feel that we have this innate right to comment on people, don't we? And I think that's really wrong. Um, we've been doing some work with Dove. Um, we did some work in 2020 with them on their self-esteem project. And I would definitely mm. look up that because there's some really great resources in there about how you can talk about um, having conversations around body image. I think the key here is is to have this kind of standard, um, I suppose, statement in your head, which is, you know, thanks very much for your opinion. Um, we're actually really uh, body positive here. We encourage... Um, body positivity and we don't actually talk about how we look because it's not as important about as as who we are and how we feel Feel. so Mm. please keep it to yourself and I think you Mm. know it depends on who it is if it's your mom you might have to have that conversation multiple times if it's somebody in the street who points and goes you know they're so skinny you could just walk away and think you know I'm not even going to engage with that but it is really tough I'll just jump in as well Suzanne because I had something recently with my stepdaughter um and she was going through you know suffering from you know bit of anxiety and she was getting panic attacks but what came with that is was she was start we were noticing that she was starting to restrict food and I was so worried about it because of my history of eating disorders um and so basically um, I just you know as opposed to sort of scooting around it which I think maybe historically we might have done I just said to her Eileen like got to have conversations about this I started taking her to the supermarket with me so that we could talk about fruit and vegetables and we could talk about proteins and we could talk about carbs and we could talk about you know I, you know and she was just became much more aware of the food that she was eating rather than just using it as a control to get something back inside her uh, and and that and and really it has helped so much I'm not noticing any of those patterns mm-hmm. any longer with her and it, it was quite short-lived but it was quite scary for that short time so I can imagine if it's consistently happening with your eight-year-old to the person that sent that message in that must be terrifying but um mm, yeah absolutely. I'm here as well if you want to have a if you want to have a conversation it's important as well to then have conversations that are not around weight it's really easy yeah. when eating becomes a problem yeah. you know I know it kind of with um, with Izzy, you know, suddenly that's the only thing that consumes you. Actually, yeah. they're still a person. They've still got you know me amazing strengths that are nothing to do with how they look or yeah the, sh- the issues with eating. So it's really important that we maintain a level of um, calmness, I guess, as parents. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think it's really easy to get into that as well, isn't it? Like the whole thing about talking about someone's size. Like for instance, Gigi's tiny. Okay, she's really small, and. I've even got her like nursery teachers being like, oh my God, she's just so small. How is a uniform even going to stay up on her? And like sort of mean it in like an endearing way. But it, at, 
and it's fine because at the moment she doesn't really know what they're saying but then that's so easy that it will just continue and she'll be yeah. known as like being the, the skinny the tiny one, one. Yeah. and yeah. then what happens when she's not anymore will she then be like oh i'm not the skinny small one anymore wow yeah. how you know that how was what i, I was known for now. Yeah. yeah yeah it is you can really see how that that can happen I, I just think it's quite amazing as well suzanne just jumping in and george just to just to comment on that that you know why people feel it's okay to comment on the way that we look it blows my mind there's shame at both ends though isn't there there's shame there's, yeah there, and and the point is is that there is no normal there is no typical we are all unique no. No. so mm. i'm absolutely with you and i think that going back to your point georgia about um nursery is that as parents, empowered parents, we have a responsibility really to say, go and have a look at things like the Dove Self-Esteem Project. I'm not pimping it out there, but it's really good because actually we are the people that are going to change those conversations around body image by saying, actually, do you know what? Even though that's a bit distasteful and it might be a bit challenging for me in the moment, I'm going to say something with a smile, with grace, but actually that this isn't really what I want you to be saying in front of my child because it's going to influence the way that they perceive their body yeah. in the future. Yeah. Would you say that to them, George? Would you have that that conversation quietly and just say, look, I would really love you not to comment on Gigi's yeah, size I around thought, her Yeah, piece. I have said it um, like to other people, not nursery, but you know, like if when people have been like, oh my God, she's so tiny. Like, and I'm like, um, I mean, she's not really, is she? Like, she's not really, you know, she's not, you know, it, it's, there's all, everyone's all different mm-hmm. sizes. And that's what I say to Gigi. I'm like, oh, look at Axel's class. Like, everyone's so different. Like, blah, blah, blah. Because I don't want her to have that in her mind, that yeah. she's like this little this little doll, little thing, you know? Like, I don't know. But I can just, it's interesting because I think if, I, if we didn't have this podcast and we weren't having these conversations, I would have thought that was completely harmless. Yeah. Like, I, I, I honestly wouldn't yeah. have thought anything of it but it's only because we're having these conversations and I'm starting to realize the implications of those small comments yeah and so I think you do have to have them because people aren't saying things like in a mean way they just don't they probably never even thought about it never even thought about the implications that that can have Um, so yeah I I will I will do it (laughs) but also what they're bringing to this is what they've been taught and if yes, you think yeah, about exactly. our experience as parents and as people, we're just replaying what we've seen through our own pe- parenting and also f- from our own parents. So it's it's you know it's 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 a call to be more conscious around ourselves mm. and how we feel, and so yeah. that we can change that for our children and other people as well. Yeah, um, this is interesting, and I bet lots of people will be able to relate. How to stop your middle child always comparing themselves to an older child? Mm. Mm. Gosh, oh, that's interesting. Great question, yeah. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, as an only child, I don't have experience of this, but actually, I me think, neither. Yeah, no. Oh, you're an only child too. Okay, yeah, yeah. only children unite. <laughs> um, but I didn't want my child to be an only child. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Um, I think the key here really is to really celebrate individualism, and I think that's something that over time, you know, it might not be in the moment that your child is going to be able to say, "Oh, actually, yes." I am completely different and I am unique and all the rest of it. That comes with age, doesn't it? It comes with experience. Yep. So I'd be looking at ways that you can um, encourage the older child as well to celebrate the middle child, not in a kind of happy clappy or aren't they amazing, but really naturally sort of some kind of, I suppose some kind of, uh, even if it's a, like a monthly ritual about what we've all done well this month or what we're all proud of this month um, so that we can start to you know, open up those conversations about what we're doing well. Um, but also, I think part of parenting is recognizing that you you do the best you can and that there's only so much that you're in control of. You can influence how your child is perceiving 
themselves in the family unit. Um, but actually, you can't control that. So as long as there are opportunities for open conversations about strengths, about what they're doing well, about the uniqueness that we all bring to the world, then actually some of that might come through over time. But I'd also ask them, I'd be really clear, you know, um, Zoe mentioned it earlier about, you know, having conversations, opening things up, talking mm-hmm. directly about these and saying, I, you know, I'm noticing that you're doing this and this is kind of, I'm not decrying how you feel, but this is completely different to how I see it. Can you explain it to me? Can you share with me? And that depends on how old they are, whether they've got the, the language around it. But I would be really open about that. But equally, remember that there's only so much as parents that we can control and a whole load of things will be harmonized. They might seem like really big things at the moment. They may be mountains, but they will be molehills over over the time. I guess the mm. key is is to see, is this impacting on the fundamental sense of, sense of self that that child is having? And if it has, you start having those conversations. And also maybe speak to school. Ask school to celebrate their individuality, particularly if you've had maybe a high-achieving older sibling. It's really easy to think that actually that's the only metric that matters. But you might be mm. an amazing musician or a cook or whatever. It doesn't mm. matter. So I think it's about recognizing how you can celebrate individuality and and also just being really open with your communication about it. S- sibling comparisons, man, they never, ever, <laughs> ever stop. <laughs> I mean, speaking from experience, it's like... Really? Yeah. Just, I think you do obviously get to a certain age and there's just so much acceptance. But I think for a long time, you're desperate to, you know, have this best friend and actually maybe you're quite dissimilar and you don't have that many things in common. Maybe one's got thick you know, brown hair and the other one's got short blonde hair, but you you kind of always looking at the other one for comparison. It's, it's strange, obviously, same DNA, same upbringing, well, same-ish DNA, same upbringing, but, but yet two people can be so different, uh, two siblings can be so different and it's, and it can be really difficult from mm. elder to, to, to younger and younger to elder, like, mm. I don't know, it took me a long time to get there. She's my best friend now though, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Um, separation anxiety at age six when going into school. Any tips on what to do to help? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of yeah. questions on like yeah. school anxiety and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So there's loads to talk about here. So first of all, I think it's really important to say that anxiety is a really natural response. It's a normal, natural response that we all experience from time to time. And that our brains have been developed to keep us safe. So when our, when our brain perceives a threat, and it could be a real threat or a perceived threat, it doesn't have to be something that's actually there, it doesn't have to be the tiger, it's our brain basically, uh, the amygdala and other parts of our brain kick in and they prepare us to fight or flight. So we're all familiar with the fight, flight, freeze kind of model of our nervous system regulation, and that's what happens. And generally, if we've had some anxiety, our parasympathetic nervous system will kick in and calm us down. So that will um, make us breathe more slowly. It will dilate our, or, well, no, actually, it only dilates our pupils. I think it make, makes them smaller, so there's less light coming in. It calms us down. It makes us breathe more deeply. And it tries to dissipate the cortisol and the adrenaline that we've got in our bodies. So what we have to try and do is to square off that stress cycle. So we have to complete it. Um, what we found, I mean, I think we find it a lot with the parents that we support is that as parents, we don't want our children to feel bad. So we'll be like, oh, yeah. no, 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 you're not anxious. You're not feeling bad. It's fine. It's fine. Kind of gloss over it. Let's just run through don't it. Don't be silly. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be silly. It's not how you feel. Absolutely. It is how they feel. But we are really driven by fear there. So it's important to see that this is natural. 
And I also think, and I'm going to be um, potentially controversial here, and I don't mean to be rude, but separation anxiety is actually a disorder that will be diagnosed by a clinician. And I think it's important that we think about our language. So, um, for example, um, you know, I have an anxious child. You don't have an anxious child. You have a child with anxiety. And likewise, separation anxiety, some of the elements of what you're seeing you know, are akin to separation anxiety. But is it something that is a natural part of growing up, um, a natural part post-COVID of seeing, you know, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear? And think about a lot of children, they miss two years of school. And, you know, Mm. if you're talking about Mm. a seven-year-old, that's a massive amount of social knowledge that they haven't had. So I actually think that that separation, that sense of I want to be where I'm safe, I'm not safe in my body. That's why I'm feeling anxious. I'm not safe in school uh, for a number of reasons. Maybe it's too busy. Maybe I don't know where I fit in. Maybe I don't have any friends. Maybe I can't communicate well. You know, all of those things lead to a sense of what we're calling here separation anxiety. But I think as parents, we've got to be really cautious around the language that we use because we can then lead for our children to identify as this. I am anxious. No, you're not actually. You have anxiety or you have a natural response to something like that. When it comes to, and I, uh, like I say, that's with all the love because I understand that it's really, I think with so much more knowledge out there, it's really easy for us to latch onto things to try and find the solutions yeah. through. Yeah. So it's completely yeah, understandable. I, I think I've spoken in a podcast about this before. Axel, I would say, is a naturally anxious person. And yeah, I don't like using that word so much around him all the time because, again, like I don't want him to be like, oh, you know, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm, an, I'm just, I'm just an anxious. anxious person. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, at the moment we notice he is, okay. but who knows if that's just like he's seven and finding okay. his feet, who knows? Do you know who what knows? I mean? I do exactly. And I think I've got a different mm. way of looking at it for you. So there's a yeah. concept by um, a psychiatrist called Dan Siegel in the US called the window of tolerance. So basically Axel has a smaller window of tolerance So he's activated more readily than somebody that's got a larger window of tolerance. There's nothing wrong with it. And you can do things to improve your window of tolerance, to build it out over time. Routines, things like, you know, really good food, um, getting outside, um, connection with people, movement, good sleep. All of those things can improve and grow our window of tolerance. But if our window of tolerance is really small, then the slightest thing is going to activate us. So we end up in that fight flight mode so we don't end up looking like we're calm most of the time we 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 are activated by that so i think in just reframing it and actually i think for parents to look at these kinds of tools and models is really helpful because what it says is this isn't a judgment on you you know yeah. we all become anxious we all have a window of tolerance you know mine's grown massively over the last few years because of what i've been through and therapy and all the rest of it I'm still not rocking it on the nutrition or the movement, but anyway, I'm great with hugs. That's good. That's really good. But I think (laughs) the point is that actually if we can talk to our children about this, that, you know, this isn't something that is a choice that you're making, but equally it's not something that's a judgment on you as a person. Mm. This is a physiological state that we all have. And that window of tolerance model, I think, might actually sort of help. And it, it, it could empower Axel to say, do you know what, actually, I'm starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed, so I'm going to take myself off. I'm going to do some of the things that I know are going to help me. And over time, then that capacity will grow, but also that sense of self, that that lack of judgment around the responses. And that's really key as we go into, you know, teenage, the teenage Mm -hmm. years. 
That's yeah, That's really I really interesting. Like that. Yeah, and me. Daughter hits herself and says she hates herself when she's done something wrong. Help, she's five. Oh, bless her, little five-year-old. That's so sad, isn't it? Um, sending again love to to the parent because that would be really hard to see. I think the key with any kind of change that we want to see in behaviour is not to try and um, challenge it in the moment is to um, look at it after the fact. So when your child yeah. is in that fight flight, she's literally fighting herself at that point. Um, then, you know, you can't actually do anything other than keep her safe. So you might hold her hands gently. You might hug her. Um, it depends obviously on on what the child likes. But finding ways that you can keep her safe in that moment is really important. And then afterwards, it's about trying to understand where this, where this is coming from. Um, so some ways that maybe you could do that is you could use play, you could do drawing, you know, so when you're in that state, how do you feel like, well, what are you feeling? What color are you? Um, what number are you? One to 10? Um, or maybe actually it might be hard for her at five to really articulate that. So maybe Teddy mm. or her doll is, you know, oh, I hear Teddy's been hurting himself when he feels like he's done something wrong. Then, you know, can you ask Teddy how he felt? And then maybe Teddy might be able to tell me something um or what might help teddy in that moment but then also i think there's a key for uh, there's a there's a case here really for positive reinforcement because mm. it's how can mm. you help your child to, to how can you celebrate the things that she does well and also obviously we don't know what the things are that precipitate this but maybe start to be really curious about what's going on beforehand so what are the kind of signals that your child is showing you what is their behavior communicating to you that they may be getting overwhelmed out of that window of tolerance and then actually you know the fight flight does kick in the other thing to do with fight flight is to actually get them to move so to get them to run outside scream shout shake their hands whatever try and dissipate all of that cortisol and adrenaline in the body um but equally is to not berate them for it you know this is a natural mm. response it might not be the natural response that we want it might be a mm. little bit distasteful it might happen in public people might stare at us but you know realistically in the words of Zoe, then they can go fuck themselves. Fuck themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I got my middle finger up then, but yeah. That's going to go in, a, in, a, in like, we're going to have it in downstairs lose over the whole of, you know, the UK. Just go fuck yourself, right? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. This is really interesting. I hadn't thought of this, and I'm sure there'll be people in different circumstances who feel like this. Expat life, international school, friends keep leaving. How to show my mm -hmm. five-year-old that people are not temporary? And I guess people in the military and that yeah. kind of, you know, those sort mm. of setups, it will be similar. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? Because they are leaving and, and mm. that is a fact. But I think it's about creating um, ways that you can reconnect. We're really fortunate. We've got technology. We're all around the country at the moment recording this. You know, so it's about trying to maintain those relationships, um, but also recognizing that endings are really important because endings are our opportunity to say farewell properly. So mm. hopefully it's about, you know, being able to have those conversations to say, you know, how are you feeling about this? You can feel really sad about that, but we can still keep in touch, but it's necess you know, necessary for you to recognize how you're feeling about it. And it's acceptable and it's, you know, natural to feel sadness when somebody leaves. So I think having, again, this comes back to com uh, communication, having conversations around it, not trying to shut it down as, um, uh, well, something that's a little bit distasteful or, oh gosh, this again. Um, but also having those kind of rituals around connection. So how can you have, how can you continue to remain in touch with people 
how can you maybe get back to being a pen pal for somebody or how can you have a Zoom meeting every quarter or whatever it is as families to try and maintain that. But I'd also um, encourage other localised, if it's possible, um, other localised uh, connections. So are there other clubs or things that are outside of school um, that might you know, be sp- safe spaces where you might meet other people? Um, but I think it's an amazing uh, it's a, it's an amazing experience for a young person to go through that, probably not one that we would necessarily choose, but I think also having that emotional safety in the home is going to be so important. You know, having safe spaces at home, being able to talk openly and to know that you're grounded, that you belong to something and you belong to this family. And that's kind of, mm. you know, that will continue and perpetuate through life because people do leave, you know, people do sadly yeah. die. So yeah, it's yeah. an important lesson. Suzanne, that feels like a really beautiful place to to finish the podcast. Again, your words just really resonate with both Georgia and I, and I'm sure everybody listening as well today will have taken loads from that. There's just something so wonderfully brilliant and knowledgeable about everything that you say. So thank you. Thank you so much thank for answering. You. It was many questions. I'm so sorry if we didn't get to your question today. Uh, I'm sure Suzanne will happily take, take the questions in DMs if you want to message her directly. Uh, and um, yeah, Suzanne, please come back again. Anytime. Yes, please yeah. just a little reminder where can we find you so parenting mental health is um online parentingmentalhealth.org we also have a facebook community um we're on instagram at parenting mental health you can buy my book never let go how to parent your child through mental illness on amazon and audible i'm apparently a very good sleep aid um, so that's <laughs> great. And I'm at Suzanne Alderson on Instagram as well. But um, all there's loads of things on our website for parents. There's free courses and we've got loads of events and activities going on. So parentingmentalhealth.org is your place. Brilliant. Thank you Amazing. so much. Suzanne, thank you. Thank you. I feel like that is the most wonderful, wonderful resource for anybody that is struggling um, you know, around their children's mm. mental health because it will be something that you can always go back to and refer to. And like we always say, it's the, yeah. this is what we this is why we're doing these podcasts because they're you know even if your child is mm. doing amazingly well now, you know, hopefully there won't be a period where they're not. But if it ever does come up, you will always have that you know as as a piece of audio to listen to to help you through it. Yeah, agree. And there's like been so many things from that chat that I've taken away. Like for instance, when she said about you can't be present if you're busy and that really stuck with me and I keep remembering that and listen I'm realistic we are busy like there is no way of getting around that you know we have busy jobs and busy lives we are busy so I'm trying to find little moments to not be busy um and yeah but they're just things you need to be reminded of otherwise you just you forget don't you and and like some of the language that gets used you know quite easily you don't realize the impact Mm. it's going to have so yeah agree like this is going to be a piece of audio that I keep going back Mm. and listening to and maybe you know we'll do you know a follow-up as different issues come up because you know we only just scratch the surface really um but yeah I'm so glad we have this podcast for episodes like that and me too and we're both both um, super grateful to Suzanne for coming on and thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with Mm. us Suzanne it's brilliant um as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please please give the podcast a little follow and thank you for sending in your questions today yeah and if you have got any other topics you think we should cover on these Friday Q&A's or anything from this podcast that you think we should go into in more depth then please do drop us a dm we're on instagram at made by mamas and we'll be back on tuesday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.